Bobby Talk Radio, the official podcast of the Mandalorian Mercs. We're a costume organization dedicated to charity efforts around the globe, attending events in Mandalorian armor we've built by hand. Here on the show, we'll keep you up to date with the latest fan community news. Visit our website at www.mandalorianmercs.com. Hello and welcome to this month's edition of Keldabi Talk Radio. I am your host, Crow, and with me on this episode is Hikari. Hello. And Tucker. Hello there. All right. So this month we have uh, a nice, nice bundle of topics to talk about. We got some club news. We got some Star Wars news, video games, movies, TV shows, all the all the lovely stuff we like to talk about. Um I believe we'll we'll sit right in, just zip right in to club announcements. Um, we have a new Galactic Senate rep, I do believe. That's correct. The couple of members nominated themselves. We've recently, for all official members, had an opportunity for Q and A, followed by a period of voting, and I can confirm C Marshall out on the Western USA is our new Galactic Senate rep for the club. So congratulations, and I look forward to what comes of that. Absolutely. And just to, just as a refresher, because I don't know if I have the full details, because I don't remember, <laughs> the Galactic Center rep is our representative to the like the other clubs, correct? Like the Rebel Legion, 501st, whatnot? Uh, correct. So the Galactic Senate from memory is made up now of the Mando Mercs, the Rebel Legion, the Dark Empire, the Saber Guild, and the Droid Builders. Yes. And the Galactic Academy. And the Galactic, and the Galactic Academy, Academy, thank you. Yes. Um, and I believe each club has a nominated rep uh, that sits on the board and they, they work together to um, share information, share projects, um, especially things like Celebration, where it's a big global Star Wars event. Um, where the clubs want to be working together and put on the, the best showing that we can. Sea um, Marshall is, is basically our conduit as members through to that representation. I'd best reach out with regards to celebration then. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, a uh, nice tidy note there. If you are interested in helping out in the next celebration, which is in London, uh, definitely reach out to the team for that. Details are always on the forum, always updated whenever we get new info. And we also have... This is something that I personally am not familiar with, so I will need it explained to me. Um, We have an exchequer team, and they are currently hiring. There are positions open if you are interested in joining them. Uh, But I do not actually know what they do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I'll be very honest to you, my friends. Ken Snaps is our exchequer, uh, so I think in, if you translate that to any other words, it would be treasurer. Uh, so it de- it's dealing with the club finances, club money, um, and with the uh, new member store and Vera laws and the way that the banking system has now been set up, especially for US clans. Um, it's effectively the, the department that deals with the money for the club. So as of, as, of, as of recording today, the advert has just gone out. So go look in the announcement section for any information if that sounds of interest to you. 
Yeah, we definitely do. Like, there are a lot of thankless teams um, around the Mercs. We've all been on one of them at some point or another. Uh, that is definitely um, that's definitely a thankless team because um, they have to have a lot of organization, a lot of ducks in the row, and a lot of a lot of attention paid to detail for these sorts of things. Because it's actually is- quite it's quite a fast moving team as well. Because when you're look, talking about clans looking to get their money to pay for merchandise etc um, it's quite a key quite a key role but uh, not one that's as you pointed out earlier not one that's that's well known yeah, and it's definitely it is the sort of area where if something goes wrong it can go wrong very badly so uh, we appreciate anybody who wants to help out and pitch in anybody any experience at all is accepted in the application, so don't feel that you may be unqualified. That's what the interview process is for. Um, so please check out the announcements thread on that, and please apply. Ken would love your help. And now we move into our first bit of Star Wars discussion for this month. Um, hopefully by now you've watched uh, Disney Plus's latest Star Wars offering, Kenobi. Um, I know the three of us have here, so we are more than happy to talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, things that we question, um, but don't necessarily disagree with. Um, I will be the first to say that overall, I enjoyed the show. Um, It was more or less the, like, overall mission statement. It was the Kenobi show slash movie that I was expecting them to make. It filled in a gap of time that we've all been theorizing about for years since episode three. So it 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 hit that mark for me just fine. It was what I expected. What about you two? I have to say that given that it was originally touted to be a trilogy of films, that they packed a lot into the series, but I think there's still more that they can provide us in the future whether that will happen or not. But as a series, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the direction it took. A couple of character uh, characterizations that I wasn't 100% on, but overall, yeah, enjoyed it. Again, a, a rounding of enjoyment from me. I understand what you're, what you're saying to Kurt about the trilogy becoming six episodes from a time perspective that's probably not too indifferent i suppose episodes they can leave literal cliffhangers into the next one yeah without having to tie up three mini arcs into an overall arc Mm -hmm. um i personally quite liked that they had a single director for the entire season absolutely Um, i think i i do like in the mando how they use different directors because those different episodes, you really get the feeling of what that director's bought. Yeah, and it was it was a neat exploration of like, well, this is the this part of the story of the Mando that we want to tell. We want to examine this mm-hmm. facet of him, so we got this director in on it because that's their deal. But I agree, it was nice um, to have sort of a concise feel across every episode. Well, it was it was it was giving the direction throughout the entire series, so it was going one vision right the way through, and I think that was the key to it. The 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 Kenobi 
story that we were expecting had to come from that that one direction, that one key element. And if you'd split that down to three or four different directors, I think you'd have lost that. So I think Deborah Chow did an absolutely fantastic job on it. Abs- absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the look, the feel, the, the grit mm. of it. Um, even, even throughout, I think it really did do a great job of delivering that bleak feeling. It's, it's a time where empire rule is at an almost absolute high and only getting bigger. Right. And the citizens just are trying to get by. The, the, the colours, the theming, the framing, it really sold a bleak feeling life to me. And I think the score, was it Natalie, Natalie Holt that did the score? Uh, um, see, I got it here. Uh, yes, Natalie Holt. Her, her score was spot on throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, they, 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 they brought back John Williams for the character score, which nobody else could have done it. But I understand that was at his request. Absolutely. Um, but the actual score throughout the series was bang on. It's, 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 it, it's one of the things that Star Wars always seems to get right for me, is the music, because it oh, gives yeah. the key to the atmosphere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and she did a superb job. Yeah, and I like, similar to the, yeah, what you were saying, Akari, about the, the, the feel and the atmosphere of the show um, being in this, like, dark darkest of the dark times situation i do like that they the exploration that they did of the universe like was it's it's one of the things that i love about a lot of these star wars side projects because the new movies always always bring us forward with the skywalker saga and we're like all right well we need to tell the next chapter of the skywalker saga but then star wars has always been so great at having these interesting background characters and side characters it's how we got boba fett so i love that they did things like yeah obi-wan has a day job yet what at what arc affectionately calls the meat mines like (laughs) Well, uh, there was, was another crate dragon that they they would um, yeah that they were dicing up slicing up yeah yeah like in this one but un- like unlike the Tuscans that we see in the Mandalorian where it was mostly a traditional butchering mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of situation out in the field this was like a semi-industrial um, Chicago grade meatpacking operation I'll take your uh, word for that yeah oh yeah. so it's like things like that i love that they did a bit of that because Mm -hmm. like not everything has to be about the jedi and the skywalkers even though obviously um this show is always going to have jedi and the skywalkers in it um but they did a great job of expanding the scope of the show beyond that and making the rest of the st- of the scenes um interesting all of the other people we meet over the course of the show are just good and just neat and i do want to say i personally was so happy <laughs> when i saw kumail nanjiani come in for his intro and that he became a recurring character i love that dude <laughs> so I was so happy to see him in this show. 
and he nails and I think, it. I think he did. Yeah, he did an ex- excellent job of charlatan to actually having good intent. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, still absolutely. He's, he's a crook and a con artist, beginning to end. Like he never changes his ways, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, he's not actually, you know, putting he's not one an evil over character. On people. No, that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think for me, I think for me, having the big nod. Of, of having the main man tomorrow back in as well yeah just for that even though it was only what 20 seconds and, and fun, funny you mention that i've actually got a little one of the notes i was going to bring up here is the various cameos they had throughout the series yeah yeah he he was a personal highlight but i'll be the first to admit i don't know my clones well enough <laughs> to know whether he was a clone or whether it's a nod to a specific clone i think he was just a generic clone he was a well i say generic he was a member of the 501st you could but tell that, that was, from his color scheme yeah but that but was that, it but that was it he's it, it from what i could see of the armor and from what i've read since he wasn't supposed to be a specific named clone that we've come across in the past mm-hmm. right but being the fact that he was 501st it was the link between the two he would have known who kenobi was mm-hmm. kenobi would have known that he was most likely in the Jedi Temple at the massacre at Order sixty six, and it was the it was the almost the respect shown between the two of them. Well, this is something that I I went back and forth on in my mind, trying to think would would he or wouldn't have he? Like, well, just they, just how big was the five hundred and first during the Clone Wars? Yeah, I mean, he, relati- he made, relatively big to be yeah, to be sure. Big. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't. It also wasn't his unit. It was it was definitely Anakin's unit. Oh yeah, that's it. But given yeah, his was the two hundred twelfth. Uh yeah, I forget I forget who what what number Commander Cody's mm. uh, division was. But anyway, but I, I I thought it was a a a very good classy nod that they put in. Yes. Yeah, and I like that it also, it's one of those things that kind of advances the universe forward again. Like, it was just like, well, yeah, most of the Stormtroopers now, at this point, are not really clones anymore, as orders, as um, the Bad Batch has illustrated. But yeah, yep. what's what's happening to the frontline clones? Well, this. <laughs> There's A lot of them are just aging out and rotating out and ending up wherever they end up. So it was, it was a great little bit of world building, in my opinion. And, yeah, and all of that was just in 20, 30 seconds of screen time. Yeah. But it was a massive nod. So come on then, Hikari, which other cameos did you enjoy? Yeah. Not necessarily an in-universe character, but right around that same time as the scene seeing the clone... Uh, the pink-haired spice peddler. Oh yes, Ewan's actual daughter. Yes. Oh, it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. And it was, and I think it was her first acting job as well. Oh, uh, that's great. See, I mean, that's. I know that's the exact. I mean, I would love to be in, you know, the lead in a Star Wars movie. Let let's let's be very honest, but like. That sort of stuff, like that's that's the sort of thing that's just like, yeah, yeah, I would do that. I would totally do that. My dad was Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, yeah, I would love to be a spice, <laughs> a little <laughs> a little spice dealer. 
Um, yeah, that's I love that. The the only other cameo, which funny enough is in that same episode once again, is a did did he or didn't he, Mark Hamill. Yeah, it hasn't. Uh, they've Nothing's never really come out, has it? Yeah, they well, haven't. Someone... They haven't said it one way or another officially. Yeah, it was very much blink, blink, and you miss it. I missed it. It was my wife that pointed it out and asked me to to rewind it to look again. Could could be him. Could not be him. I think someone did pose it to him on Twitter, and he gave a very cryptic response of, "It's not a lie if you believe it." <laughs> Classic Hamill. <laughs> so he sort of said it's not, it's not him, but in a weird way. But we also know he's made cameos in other films playing not his usual character. So it, it wouldn't shock me one iota if it really was him. Mm. Yeah, I see which one, see which what you're talking about now. So I've just found it on Twitter. Honestly, it's three or four seconds and you literally blink and you'll miss it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah, and it, I mean, it's it's, 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 it's it could have been yeah. That's it. His own his his Twitter post is I bet it's not true, but to quote George Costanza, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> and that is, and yeah, that's Mark Hamill up and down. Like he has Absolutely. always he has always enjoyed playing with the fans, um, and I mean we we enjoy it too. So it's all it's all great. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I am glad of. I'm glad of the the other actors that they were able to get back to reprise performances like um, Jimmy Smith's as Bail Organa. Mm-hmm. Um, I was honestly surprised uh, that they went that they they brought Hayden Christensen back because historically they haven't brought him back for a lot of things. Um, I don't and, think you could have done it any other way though with the flashbacks they were doing. Oh yeah, well I mean they would have had to do like the uh, the face swap situation mm-hmm. that they've been doing and I'm still on the fence about that like a lot of people. Um sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Yeah. Um so so I agree. I'm glad that I'm glad that they did it. I'm glad that they they brought him back, especially now that he is an older, more experienced actor. Um, with a with a director who is able to actually direct a scene <laughs> and get the most out of him, like I was really I, I happy to give see him it. direction. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like like everybody craps on Hayden Christensen for episodes two and three, but it wasn't his fault. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned that crow about they typically haven't brought him back. I wonder how much does that has been at his own choice because of the backlash after two and three. Like, look at Ahmed, Ahmed Best and the... Right. The way the community reacted to him after Jar Jar. Right. Um, yeah, there was... there. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a definite desire to separate oneself when mm-hmm. people are being terrible to you. So I... I totally yeah it wouldn't surprise me if it if it was a bit of a mutual situation um uh, for for the past few years but I'm I'm glad that he that he came back. Yeah, it was, it's quite interesting talking not well, not talking with but um was it Tom Connell who was the body double for Vader in the fight scenes. He oh, was yes. at um London Film and Comic Con recently. 
And it was quite interesting hearing him talk about having Hayden back and how much Hayden and Ewan put in, how much effort they put in to get back to fitness. And it was almost as if they were pushing the stunt team to, to train harder as well. So that their desire to work together was an absolute driving force in Hayden coming back. But, the, but when they both got in the training room together, even the stunt performers found that they couldn't keep up with some of them at times. Because, yeah, that was one of the things that I remember um, reading about and hearing about episode three, all of the stunt mm. work and fight scenes that the two of them do. And yeah, and the stunt coordinators who'd worked on so many amazing films are just like, these two are ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently it was the same for reliving the scenes on Coruscant. Nice. So I think the desire for the two of them to get back together um, was another for driving force bringing Hayden back. So some, something uh, possibly a bit more decisive, that divisive that I'm going to pose to you two. The Grand Inquisitor. What were your takes on how he came to life, how he came to scream, the look that they went with? It doesn't really... It didn't really register with me. Like, for me, the Grand Inquisitor was such a minor character in this show. And it wasn't really a character I ever really cared about on Rebels to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, so he didn't really make an impact on me either way um, as far as what it what he was in the show. I do like how they, with the exception, and I'll, this is a blanket thing for all the Inquisitors, um, with the exception of their lightsabers, um, I think they translated all of them very well to live action from CG. Um, I will I, say I, I, I always, I cannot stand the spinning lightsabers though. Like I've, <laughs> Dave Filoni like... has not made many mistakes, but I think that is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Vader liked them either the way he ripped it apart. Well, that's what um... gets me. Like they're so gimmicky. <laughs> like they just don't work. <laughs> but I, I think in a highly animated scenario like Rebels... It works. It works. It works. But yeah, I agree, was, when was, they, those right. lightsabers specifically translated to the screen, I don't yeah. feel did work. Yeah. No, I, I think live action could have been played slightly different on those, but... I'm glad the, no one tried the, to fly like a helicopter with one. Oh, I will no, say that. Absolutely. <laughs> with, going, back, going back to the Grand Inquisitor, I think Rupert Friend did a, uh, did a good job. Yes. Yeah, As to I, the visualisation of the Grand Inquisitor, I know there was a lot of people who don't like the look. I don't think it was important, not important enough for me to be concerned about. But when you look at the the race, when they actually filmed them in episode three, half of or over half of the face was actually CGI'd in episode three. And with and this, they, three, it only had to be on screen for, let's call it a few seconds. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas they tried to do everything old school for the series. So they, I, I don't know what budgets were like, but they tried to do everything old school and with proper prosthetics, etc. They could have made him look like the um, Rebels character 
Was it important? It wasn't important enough to get worried about. Not yeah. from my own personal point of view. But his characterization... Making him look like yeah. a real person, you know? His, like his characterization was good. Yeah. My my issue, although I think Rupert Friend did a great job, I would have preferred to have seen Jason, Jason Isaacs do it. Yeah, that would have because, been... Be, because great. A, he was the voice from Rebels, and B, he is a stunning actor. Yeah, yeah, I have I have no complaints with Rupert's friend Rupert Friend's performance, and he has no. stated that he did specifically not do Jason Isaacs. Like he did specifically, he's like, no, I don't want to uh, do an yeah. impression of Jason Isaacs. Like, no, absolutely, that's not going to help anybody. So no. I'm glad that their the creative choices were all solid. But I agree, I agree that having Jason Isaacs in to be villainous, Jace, like Jason Jason so well. would have been Jason would have been the the, the nail on it. Yeah, that would have been the absolute. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Yeah. Not having Jason, whatever his commitments were elsewhere, don't know. Yeah. But Rupert did a good job. I just would have preferred to have seen Jason take on the role in live action. So, speak, speaking of the Inquisitors, then Moses Ingram, I, and I've got this. The way that I've decided to approach this is. I think she did a fantastic job for the writing that was given to her. Agreed. I think she played the characterization well. Yeah. And obviously we saw the opening scenes from Order 66. Was she, wasn't she? And we don't find that out obviously until later in the series. But there was always an inkling that there was something different about her from the normal Inquisitors. Yeah, she will... did she did a great job with what she was given. Yeah, I'll I'll agree because like yeah, her performance was excellent. Like Yeah, and and it's but... the same with any actor that's had issues in in the in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. In 98 100% of the cases the actors do great work with what they're given. Yeah. What they're given may not be what the fans are expecting. And therefore, may not be one hundred percent of what we want to see, but that yeah. doesn't mean they don't do a good job. Yeah, yeah it's, I, it's I like feel... looking at the latest trilogy. Mm. Ad, Adam Driver's Kylo Ren. I can't say I particularly bonded with the character and the performance. There were there were highlights, there were lowlights. Yeah. I've since gone on to watch him his performance in House of Gucci, and it was just a resolidification of his acting prowess. And I think the same is true with Oscar Isaac. His his portrayal of Poe, again, I thought it was it was a bit hot headed, hot shot pilot that just likes to complain. And but yet that's what Poe was. Yeah, yeah. His performance yes, in Moonlight, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he did nail it, and it's it comes to mm. the writing he's given. Yet to see him in Moonlight and his acting skills oh, yeah. and the prowess that he brought to that. Oh yeah. Again, it was just that's like, one oh, series I still need to finish. Oh, it's yeah. Finish it. it is so worth it. Yep. <laughs> so, that, so when I think about that, and then come back to Moses in the Inquisitor, she played. Yeah, I th- I think the performances she gave for the material she was given were fantastic and as good as the other actors on screen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think my my only problem with her is just the motivation, like the character's motivation. And her execution of her actions is just like, these are not, they just don't seem to me to be things that a 
Grand Inquisitor would do. Like, they, their foolish moves, their mm-hmm. overly impulsive, their rash, all of the things that everyone else in the show says about her. Like, every other Inquisitor, even Darth Vader, say this to her at one point or another. Um, and I'm just kind of like, well, why, though? But we, but we understand that <laughs> at the end of the series, though, don't we? Because, yeah. it, she, in essence, she was a pawn. She was being played. Yeah. So they were allowing her to do exactly that. But it's the sort of thing where it's just like, well, why did you, though? Like, you didn't mm. see any part of this. The betrayer of betrayers. You didn't see that you yourself were being betrayed. Like, you know, it's, it's one, of those, one of those things. It's not uncommon among villains that are just driven by rage. Um, but it's just like, well, why, though? <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, I will completely agree that I think Moses Ingram herself did an excellent job. And I like that there were a lot of things that they did with the character. Like, um, for one thing, she's African-American. Like, and yes, she is a villain, but she is an interesting villain. And they did things like she didn't wear a wig. That's her hair. Excellent. Like, there is so much just about that in itself that was big and is a good, like example to future filmmakers and tv makers that yeah you can do this Mm -hmm. there's no reason you can't i i have to say my my favorite of her scenes and it wasn't necessarily for her but was the last episode with um baru and owen and i think those two really came out as characters and, and it lends a different sort of credence to what might have happened at the homestead in episode four. I know there's lots of memes generated around the back end of it, but um, seeing seeing them take on a Sith Inquisitor, sorry, a an Inquisitor, force force empowered Inquisitor, you, you have a, a different view of them after that, don't you? Oh yeah, no, you really. I agree in that. Um... Owen and Baru, who again, yeah, they they brought back <laughs> Joel Edgerton and Bonnie Bonnie Plessy. Um, yeah, like great, excellent. I wouldn't have it any other way. And yeah, and they were able to do something with the characters. It's just like mm. this is why Owen is the way he is, um, and like this is how we, why he is the way he is in Episode Four. And yeah, it's a good, it's good development of mm-hmm. of an of a character that helps make Luke who he is, even though he's on screen for five minutes. Yep. (laughs) But it's all of those different character arcs, isn't it? What we're seeing in the TV series of characters we've seen in the past in the films, it's just expanding on them and and giving us a greater understanding of why they are the way they are. And that is where we have to be thankful for these series. Now, I have a possibly divisive question for the two of you. Um, Leia. Obviously, I enjoyed the character. I, the, um, the young actress who played her did an excellent job <laughs> of being a young Leia. Um, but a lot has been said around um, how this alters the dynamic between her and Obi-Wan going into Episode 4. 
What do mm-hmm. you two think about that? That I've seen a lot of people talking about this, <laughs> and I don't think that it does. Okay. I'd have to agree with Hikari. I appreciate that people are, are doing a lot of memes between, oh, she didn't meet Obi Kenobi because he introduced himself as Ben. She's not um, that stupid. <laughs> she's she's not. Um, it was in a recording that could have been intercepted that what she says in episode four isn't isn't wrong. He did know and serve with her father. Yep. Um and was was it a life impacting event that happened to her at nine years old? Yes, probably. Is it something fifteen years later she might still remember in detail? Who knows? It's it's a very living the life of a princess is not not a a way of life I can pretend to understand. You surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's yes, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that did happen to her. No, absolutely. But yeah, I'm I'm not convinced it undoes, um, as especially when the the guys behind it and the girls behind it have all come out and said that they are very conscious of the overall arc and what they may or may not introduce with these new shows and programs. And there's part of me that thinks, does it really matter? <laughs> I mean. Ultimately, no. <laughs> like, exactly. It's like, Star Wars content. Do, exactly. do I want something in the 2020s that's physically constrained on these minor details? Because it might not completely gel with something from the 70s. It's like I'd rather good content now and good storytelling now and just consider it a bit like Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue One fit in very well with the, the whole timeline series. The only thing I'll say with that is I don't want them to retcon what happened in the 70s and the 80s, but they won't do that, or I hope no, they won't yeah, do that. But yeah. these small these small little pickups on maybe one sentence here or there in the grand scheme of things doesn't make much, much of an impact. If they were to make wholesale changes, then that would concern me. But what you what we've just said here now, one or two worded differences doesn't make a significant difference. Exactly, and and I and I think overall that that little actress brought the right amount of character scepticism along mm-hmm. with character confidence, and just that touch of sass that we know that Leia had. Oh yeah, and especially seeing it. Seeing all of these things that we know Leia would have said coming out of a nine-year-old's mouth as nine-year-olds talk. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, like, it was... it. Not, unsurprisingly, a nine-year-old talked like a nine-year-old. But she did such an excellent job carrying over that Leia-ness, that carries. She has a lot, yeah. <laughs> she has a lot of her father in her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, diff- different topic now to pose to the both of you. Going into this series, the the type the titular character is is a Jedi, and I didn't know how I was going to feel about 
did I want to see lots of force stuff or did I want to see lots of story stuff? Did I want to see lightsabers? Did I not want to see lightsabers? And I think now that I've had time to, to sit and reflect on it, I really appreciate the fact that we only really had two major lightsaber fights. I'm, I'm glad it didn't turn into almost like a Wild West of every episode there were lightsabers. Yeah, yeah. And by yeah, that I mean the, yeah. the, two, the two main guys that would bring in. The Inquisitors had them all the time, but really it's the, the Obi-Vader. I think they did that right. I would agree. I think they kept the perfect balance on this one. I, I think they kept... Yeah. I would agree to a point... Like I agree with the with what you're both saying in the in that yeah it wasn't episode one or episode two where everyone's got a lightsaber and everybody's swinging them around like they're not deadly weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do appreciate that, and I appreciate that yeah, despite the fact that like I said earlier, this show was about the Jedi <laughs> that the franchise is honestly based around. Um, it wasn't all Jedi, all Force, all lightsabers all the time. It was interesting how he sort of cut himself off from the Force. It would seem with Luke in yeah. episodes eight and nine, seven, eight, and nine. Um, and I found that interesting how it took him a while to for him to, to get back get the feel it. back yeah. exactly, get back into it, get back into. Which I think they handled very well because I, I can't yeah, imagine. I can't find the right the words, but yeah, is like a muscle. If you don't mm. train it, you lose it. Right. And as as Jedi, they would have been training every single day. It would have been part of their daily routine in the temple. And to then mm-hmm. go ten years without doing something, yeah. I didn't even give it a consideration till he sort of fumbled and mm. just appeared how weak he appeared. And then it's like clicking into place, going, "Oh yeah, they've really thought about this." Yep, and I, I do like that it is something they've both done as Jedi who went into hiding. Because naturally, mm-hmm. if you have Force-sensitive Inquisitors snooping around, they just gotta pick you up on the Force radar, and there you are. Mm-hmm. So, which is it also draws a nice line between these two men and Yoda, who never stopped, who never gave up. All this stuff. He was Yoda, Master Jedi, beginning to right end. the way to the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, out of practice on some stuff, sure, but he's didn't he never cut himself off from the force. Whereas but he also hid himself in an area of deep dark force. Yeah, yeah, environment, the, if you like. Yeah. yeah, he did the counter masking, just count canceled yes. himself out. Yeah, um, but I will say, and this ties into this topic, I am a bit on the fence with some of the force powers used <laughs> over the course of the show by mostly by Obi-Wan because he had this period of um, being cut off from the force and mm-hmm. you know kind of shaking his way through it again by the time we get the big climactic fight with Vader and they're throwing giant stone boulders at each other oh you mean was... where Vader threw the high ground at him and then he threw it back yeah exactly and yeah. for me it's the throwing it back that was my that was where I kind of stepped off the bus a little bit Mm -hmm. because Vader having access to all this stuff and Vader tearing apart ships and being full on force unleashed about it yes absolutely this is Vader at honestly some of his most unhinged and full of rage 
So that makes sense to me. I like that. <laughs> but then having Obi-Wan, who honestly has never shown any indication or proclivity towards big, showy, forcey stuff like this, suddenly doing it after ten years of no practice, that seemed weird to me. Because he didn't yeah, seem I... all that desperate either. You know, he seemed no. his Obi-Wan in controlness. It's almost like he'd recentered himself after that after that scene on I can't remember the name of the planet. Um Oh, where they captured him, where they were actually taking off from. Yeah. Yeah, that that planet. Jabin. 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 Yeah. So it was almost like he'd recentered himself after that. But the time scale is so so narrow. Yeah. I agree. How did he get that back so quickly? But it did make me laugh that Vader used the high ground against him and then he just swung it back around and said, nah, it's my high ground. (laughs) Threw it back at him. I still have it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's my high ground. I'm playing with it. So I I think for me, when, when all is said and done with this Kenobi series, I think I'd actually be satisfied to leave it here. I would uh, agree. I, yeah. I, I think he's had good exposure in Clone Wars, in Rebels, now with his show that fills in this gap in the middle. There's still a period of time that could be explored. But I yeah, think we... when I really sit and think about it, I'd either like to see maybe Hayden Christensen come back to explore a bit more of Vader and Vader in those ten years, or just all-out new stories, new areas new characters, just totally something fresh. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where things are and where the rumour will is with the likes of Lando, but that could fill into that time frame. Uh, I want, yeah, I want a Lando limited series or film mm-hmm. so much more than I want more Obi-Wan. Like, so, I, I enjoyed this a lot, and I know that there have been, it's been said that, like, Chow... Deborah Chow was like, I want to make a limited series, beginning, middle, end. I think um, that was part of Ewan's callback as well. That initially it was, yeah, I'll come back and I'll do it. Yeah, but I'm going to do it in in one hit, and that's that. And but now we've also heard that Kathleen Kennedy, um, as well as Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, of all now that they made the show and had so much fun doing it, they all want to do it again. Yeah, they want to do it again. And I mean, like, I don't want to I don't want to tell them no. <laughs> but I kind of do. Like, yeah, it's, I, it's got to be the right script and it, and Yeah. Have they done enough already? There's still another 8 to 10 years, but that's 8 to 10 years of well, what's he going to do? He's in hiding on Tatooine. Yeah. For me, I'd like to see a show that doesn't have Tatooine in it. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. think Land, yeah. Lando isn't so much a rumor mill. Um, Kathleen Kennedy actually addressed this quite directly and said that they are still looking to make it, they are still looking to Donald Glover, mm-hmm. but that he is a very busy man, yes. and that he's currently working on a project, has a project lined up after that, and that they hope to have Star Wars in his queue after that. Yeah, I, I know that it was it was all hinged on Donald Glover. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I but it would be, be nice for them to be able to get him whilst we've still got Billy D with us as well. 
Yeah, that would I would I've I know we've talked about it before, but I would love to see the setup of we start with Billy D telling a story as only Lando can and then it just as we, as we saw Lando yeah, yeah as we saw Lando in in solo yeah. sat in the cockpit of the Falcon maybe yeah. not the Falcon but sat in the cockpit recording his stories yeah so exactly. we could have Billy, Billy D narrating and then Donald Glover performing yeah like that that would, would that would be superb it would be so good it would be so absolutely good <laughs> um but yeah i remember um watching just during the the height of the pandemic um the cast of community uh got together and did a table read of an episode and they Mm -hmm. actually had um i'm suddenly drawing a blank the mandalorian the the actor who plays the mandalorian yes pedro pedro pascal um filled in um as a side character in the episode actually and they joked on that, you know, half hour table read that that was basically all the free time that Donald Glover had. And it was in the middle of the pandemic. Um, like, I don't know how he even managed to stay busy then, but he, he did. So mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, if they if and when they do Lando, it'd be nice to see if we could have some Kyle Katarn. Just just like, a little nod to uh, um Dark Forces and, and Jedi Order games. It would. Like, and I mean... Yeah, I mean, I could go on about how much I want everything from... Oh, yeah. Uh, from Timothy Zahn's works <laughs> and Dark Forces <laughs> to uh, to show back up in Star Wars again. Um, some of yeah. it has, to our great pleasure. Um, so, but I could... I, that's an episode. I could talk about that for, for an hour. I think um, we all could. <laughs> but I, I do have one uh, one other um, thing that bothered me that I want to know if it bothered you two um, while I was watching Obi-Wan. Um, about halfway through the show, there is a showdown between Vader and Obi-Wan. Um, and I don't think it should have happened. You're talking about on... Um... Yes, I know yeah. who you are. When when Obi Wan gets set on fire, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm torn on this one. Should they have left it for just the climactic episode that we got at the end, where they where they had the big face down, right. or was this what Obi Wan needed for him to center and get himself pulled back into the Force? Because I think Vader was shocked at how weak Obi-Wan was. And I think the rest of us were probably shocked at how weak Obi-Wan was. And I think that point is the point that I like. I actually liked it for. Yeah. Is to show him fumbling, is to show that he's weak, is to show that it threw Vader off. Because Vader has continued to train and use his skills and do what he's been doing. Thinking that when he finally finds Obi-Wan, it's going to be the peak of their game versus peak of their game. Mm. So to see someone that is that is fumbling, that is falling, almost seems to put him on the back foot of, is this even a worthy opponent? Yeah. I, I definitely would have preferred that they not done it. I would have liked to see more of a ships in the night 
situation, them almost coming in contact with each other, and then they get separated. Because um, I still feel like that on its own would have been enough to kick Obi-Wan into gear. It's just like, oh, Anakin is still here. Mm-hmm. He's still... He's more powerful than ever, and he is looking for me and this child. Like, I think that would have been enough without him being set on fire and then tossed in the magic of a back-to-tank um, to suddenly be fine within a few hours. Like, so, I don't know. It's It struck me as, as an odd thing, and it struck me as, like, I think Vader would have just killed him, honestly. <laughs> Like, I know that there were mitigating circumstances, but I think that, uh, that I don't, I think in that state, with the two of them being as imbalanced as they were, I think that Vader would have just done the job if, uh, if he could have. But, you know, there were three episodes to go, so we couldn't do that yet. I get where you're coming from, but, um, yeah, I, I'm still torn on it. It's fair. It's fair. I mean, like, I, I will be the first to say that when it comes to Star Wars discourse, I'm allowed to be wrong. <laughs> and I am. We all often, are. I'm often wrong. <laughs> so, like, my, my viewpoint is definitely not the, the be all end all. And none of these are mountains that I'm going to die on. <laughs> I say it, it depends on how you look at it. And we all come from a certain point of view. Of course you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> Also, like, shout out to another excellent decision. Um, speaking of actors we still have with us, we still have James Earl Jones. Oh, and yes. There was obviously no other choice <laughs> for a live-action Darth Vader than to be voiced by Jones. Um, I did like there was there was a, a, a bit of a moment towards the end of the show when, when Vader's really been brought down a few pegs where they did a bit of a hybridization um, between Hayden Christensen and James Earl Jones. Oh, when the helmet really, breaks. Yeah, when the helmet's yeah. broken and he's like, he's half speaking through the helmet, half just mm-hmm. screaming at Obi-Wan. Like, I think that was done. That was an excellent choice. And mm. I... I... I think I actually got goosebumps in that scene at that moment, realizing that they were modulating between the two. Yeah, it's, it's amazing because so James L. Jones is what early nineties. He's he's up there. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he's still got it in him, the fact that he still had enough about him to go about and and bring that voice work to Vader, and as you say, in that moment where they're modulating between the two you could feel the synchronicity between them, just the voice drop from the, the modulation of Vader back to Anakin. It was, yeah, it was a touching moment. James Hill Jones is 91. Uh, okay. So, but yeah, like, and to, to still have just that powerful golden voice of his... Mm is astounding and i am well he's he's one to finish on for you ian 
he, a few years back, was interviewed and said that despite doing Star Wars, voicing Vader and all of the original trilogy films, he first met Carrie Fisher on the set of The Big Bang Theory. Oh, that was an excellent episode. <laughs> that, is, that is true. being in those, one yeah. of the biggest, or if not the biggest trilogy of all time, that's the first time they actually met. I mean, yeah, he's he's spent his entire Star Wars career in a booth. Yeah. <laughs> Which is saying something right there, on its own, right there. Like, he's made such an indelible mark just being in a recording booth. <laughs> Yes, very much so. But how many Star Wars voice actors have done the same when you look at people like Dee Bradley Baker and co? Oh, certainly. Okay. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's slightly different with animated works, but um, they're still a huge part of the franchise. And I think with that, that might be a natural place for us to, to leave our Kenobi discussions now. I believe so. Yeah, that's that's good. Because, like, in, in all honesty, like, I, I, those, I think, the complaints that I voiced were really my only complaints about the entire show. Otherwise, like, it, it was a bit of a slow pickup for me. But then once I got engaged, it carried me all the way through. So I really, I really have no complaints it's no big ones about the show. This isn't this <laughs> not, nothing. There was nothing that I can't like. Whenever I rewatch it, I'm not going to be like, "Oh, I got to skip this part." Yeah, it's it's not like we're watching Mando season three point five. Yeah, or two or two point yeah. five as it yeah. was for Book of Boba. So yeah, there's yeah they couldn't have linked that one anyway. But yeah, um, I yeah I honestly have more complaints about Book of Boba, which I honestly still enjoyed a lot than I have about um, Obi-Wan. Segwaying to our next... We, we got more Star Wars to talk about. Um, some things that I am not particularly familiar with, so I'm going to need you guys to fill me in a bit. Um, well, where do you want to start? Well, I think we can start here with um, Light and Magic, which is a docuseries about ILM, like going from its beginning with Star Wars to like what they are today, but like what's... What's the deal with that? Do we have any more info on that? So it's it's a new Disney Plus series coming, really looking at the studio behind a lot of what we all fell in love with. Um, mm. There has been a trailer released for it, but it's coming out on, hopefully, by the time that you listen to this podcast, it should already be out. It's being released on July 28th. It's okay. of personal interest to me just to see where they started with their technology. But mm. really to see all of the new technology that they've built over the years to support these shows that have gone on to support other projects. Because this is this is specifically aimed at ILM, isn't it? Yeah, Whereas it's, yeah. it's not specifically Star Wars, it's specifically ILM. Yeah, because they've done similar for how ILM started under Star Wars in the past. Um, yeah. so they've covered some of that in some of the older um, documentaries. But I think this will be, as you say, Hikari, this is going to be a, a great look at how the technology developed, both to film Star Wars, but also in other the other items that they've covered. Yeah, so we're going to be looking at they're going to be th- looking at things like James Cameron's works with um, the Abyss, uh, 
you're probably looking at some of the stuff with Willow, all sorts. They're, I mean, the industrial light magic have been involved in so many films that you, you may not even consider or even think that they would be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, there's so many films where they've just been, they may have only done a scene. Yeah. Or, like, they did, they were involved in Star Trek The Next Generation. Just put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny yeah. that you mentioned The Abyssica because. In, in some of the news blogs that have come out about it from, from Star Wars mm-hmm. themselves, from Disney themselves, um, they've said it, it will include rare archival footage from Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Willow, Transformers, The Abyss, and more. Yeah, I mean, the, the Abyss was they, superb. Yeah, I'm not surprised that they have James Cameron's, like... Mm-hmm. Um, back catalogue. Back catalogue now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... Still don't know if I'm ever going to go bother to see uh, <laughs> the second Avatar movie, but you know. <laughs> but it's a it's a six part streaming docu series starting July twenty seventh. Sorry, not twenty fourth. That's three different dates you've given us. The twenty seventh, <laughs> I'm guessing, is the Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, they do like to launch on Wednesdays, so absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesdays, except for when they do a Friday and they release two episodes. Yes, because that's what we're getting with Andor. <laughs> yeah, it did, and it has in the past. It's not the the first time they've done that, um, and it won't be the last. They also this was also a funky um, Obi Wan's launch was also a funky thing because um, Ms. Marvel started not too long after it did, mm-hmm. so there was. Um, so there was there was some overlap there that I think they wanted to avoid too much. Which sidebar, if you haven't seen Ms. Marvel on Disney Plus, do yourself a favor and watch that. That is also excellent. But again, having watched it all, I can go. Yeah, it is it's a fantastic show. Um but so yeah, watch Light and Magic about industrial light and magic. That sounds like I'm 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 not a huge cinema and film nerd, um, but I did go to school to to learn how to run a camera and things like that. So mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see like that era where they were they still do practical effects. They still do models and blow them up in studios and things like that. But I'm really yeah. interested to see their with that transition from where they got so good at CG that they didn't have to blow up models anymore. Um, but you'd never know. Like, I'm, I'm really interested to see the, the stuff that they invented uh, that they still use today. So that's... Yeah, I prefer... I, I personally a, prefer to see explosives, but that's just I'm me. Sure. <laughs> I'm not a film nerd either. I, I did fall down a bit of a rabbit hole on Disney Plus watching the behind the scenes of how the parks were made or how specific rides are made or their oh, histories. Sure. Yeah. And I just find that stuff fascinating. Mm. Oh, yeah. So he's been right up my street. Now, let's see. Now, what? Let's see. Lego Star Wars Summer Vacation. Uh, what is that? Oh, <laughs> uh, this... Obviously, we've spoken about the, the holiday special in the past, both the original one, but also Lego did the holiday special last year, was it, they released? I think so. So I think this is just a continuation of the Lego series going forward because they've done so many of the different Lego specials. So this is just a 
a summer vacation just an excuse to to throw out some more content it's gonna be which like should a, be good like a lego it, it, beach episode right? yeah the trailer, the trailer <laughs> looks very amusing it even includes a death star beach ball um, <laughs> i've not seen the trailer yet short synopsis for it is uh, the story finds finn arranging a surprise trip for his friends aboard the luxurious halicon star cruiser for some much much needed r&r Ah, Star Cruiser. Yep. Ah, okay. Good. Okay. That's where it links in. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, but there's there's no real time period because you've got character Lego characters from all three sets of trilogies all present. Oh yeah. Well, I will say that is one of the things that I do enjoy about the the Lego partnership that Star Wars has, and just mm-hmm. Lego in general. It's just like much like when you were a kid, and yeah, you had a stormtrooper and Indiana Jones and a cowboy. Like, yeah, you're gonna why not have them all together? <laughs> and it's it's only a little detail, but I'm looking forward to the fact that they've got Weird Al involved again. Oh, they yes. do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's performing a new song called Scarif Beach Party. Uh, and he's a Lego figure as well, if I He's also a Lego figure. Yeah. Oh, great. To know what to look forward to there. But again, it's well worth the trailer. And anyone with little kids, big kids, or is just a big kid and likes Lego, it should be a fun, relaxing, easy watch. Oh, they, yeah. they typically have been the, the, the Star Wars Lego ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a good. It's a good fun thing to watch. Not not yeah. everything needs to be high drama and and move a galaxy forward. Some stuff just needs to be fun. Absolutely. Now, next bit of news we have. Um, this is definitely something you two will be more familiar with than I. Um, but um, there's rumors of cancellations or delays uh, for Galaxy's Edge in Europe. Now, just so I'm clear, was this this was going to be potentially like a Galaxy's Edge inclusion at Euro Disney? Is that what this was yeah, supposed to be? Yes. I, th- I think the original plan was they were looking to do sort of three different thematic zones as an extra at um, Euro Disney, and one of them was what five years ago now was originally touted as to when galaxy's edge was brought about that there was going to be a don't know whether it was going to be a full galaxy's edge setup but there was going to be something at paris now it was something that was it's been it's been bounced around a couple of different news agencies but um there was an interview with the park director i think or disneyland president on french television um where they were asked where it is in the planning um and the response was that they're still working on the third theme so there was no comment as to whether it would actually be star wars or whether it'd be something else but given that we've got d23 coming up um in what September? Eight, eight, yeah, eight weeks at the point of recording. So D23 will be coming up in September. There may be news there. There may not be. We don't know. But it, it's, it's just that there is rumours that it may or may not be going ahead, um, but nothing concrete. I think which, which for those of us over... don't get something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I personally, I've not been to any of the Disney parks, but if they 
brought Galaxy's Edge to Paris, I would be over the Channel Tunnel in a shot. So to, to back up the, the information there slightly, previously there's been discussions and communications that for Walt Disney Studios at Disneyland Paris there were three expansions planned. One for the Avengers Marvel-themed. Yep. Which is opening as we speak, followed by a second development of Arendelle from the Frozen series, an Mm -hmm. entire section dedicated to just that, followed by a a third park, third development within the park for what was touted to be Star Wars. So I think this rumour mill's just come about because rather than discussing it as Star Wars, someone with a high enough position has changed the wording of what they're saying now. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Avengers has happened and has been built. We'll we'll see whether Arendelle now starts being worked on. I believe Arendelle is is being being built. Um, how far through they are or not, I don't know. But um, works works have begun on the world of Frozen. Was the last comment. But it's the third is the third thematic area where they've changed the wording of it being the Star Wars theme to we're still working on a third theme. But I think it would, it would be a very, very big draw to the park, just as I think Avengers will be for Marvel fans. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Like, I've... I mean, it's I still haven't been able to get to either of the Galaxy's Edges that exist in America yet, um, but I know that the next time that I fly, it's probably going to be to Florida or California for that express purpose. Um, you don't, fl- don't fancy flying over to Europe for celebration? Uh, no, 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 we've been there. It's fine. No, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, I honestly, like, if I had the means, I would certainly love to fly. And, I mean, I want to visit Europe in general, but especially to visit Europe and do some Star Wars celebration, like, I would absolutely, like, I would be over the moon. Yeah, I see. I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in the same position with, with coming to the US. So yeah. I appreciate that everyone has difficulties in, in, in geographic location. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's like there's an and, ocean. And cost. <laughs> <laughs> ah, just swim it. Has anyone done that? Like, no. I know that we've gone we've gone across basically every other way, but no one's no one's done a, a transoceanic swim across one of the worst oceans. I don't think that would be physically <laughs> possible. <laughs> it's bad enough rowing it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. We had yeah last bit of general Star Wars news. Um, we sort of segue into video games a little bit. Um, Star Wars Hunters has been delayed. Now, uh, this was, or still is, uh, at some point, according to their website, arriving in 2023, landing on Switch, iOS, and Android. I'm not mm-hmm. overly familiar with what this game was supposed to be. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm always a little leery of games where it's like half a mobile game. So what... Is this just a? I think Jar- Jared had a bit more on this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it it it. I didn't get didn't really get look into it a lot. Um, it was one of those games that 
had a visual feel of a younger cartoon than something yeah. I would norm what something I would normally get my my head around. Um, the, the character styles, the animation style. Yeah, I've played it. it. Has a bit of a Fortnite feel about it. There you go. Yeah. Um, but I think it's meant to be an arena battle style game, and the the release trailer for it is fully animated, so it's difficult to tell what the actual gameplay will feel like. It mainly hit my radar because there's quite a stylized post imperial Mando that heavily yes. features within the trailer. Very yes. much so. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Star Wars Hunters. Set after the fall of the Galactic Empire, Star Wars Hunters will bring players together in a thrilling team based multiplayer battles. Uh, select from a diverse cast of new characters, including daring bounty hunters, heroes of the rebellion and Imperial Stormtroopers. Um yeah, it will be a download on Switch, App Store, and Google Play. And yeah, so that's the, that's 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 the brief of it. It was supposed to come out um, sometime late 2022, but Zynga, mm-hmm. the developer, has pushed it to 2023. And their little they tweeted out a message that's basically just apologizing and saying that um, that they want to work on the game more, um, which. In today's environment of video games and developers, um, I'm glad that they're taking the Nintendo model of, sorry, the game's just not good yet. The game's yeah. not done. Um, just wait a couple more months and we'll get a polished product out to you. Like, I appreciate that. Even if I... I don't, I don't know if this game is going to really be my bag. I don't know if I'm ever going to play it. But I'm, I'm happy to see a developer take that stance. And especially one that's as big as Zynga. They're not exactly small. They, they can afford to wait. They yeah. can afford to do that. Yeah. But you're right. It's nice to see that, actually, that the game and the gameplay is being put at the forefront. Yeah, this is... Yeah, it's like I'm looking at the game modes. Like, the the design on the, the characters does look really cool. Like, there's a... Wookie Juggernaut that looks like he's wielding two um, K2 style droid arms uh, as weapons um, that he got from somewhere. Um, we got a Dark Side Assassin. There is a Jedi droid, <laughs> um, and uh, and the aforementioned uh, Mandalorian who looks like yeah he's some sort of Mandalorian assault trooper situation. Um, definitely looks like a. Uh, a frontline DPS kind of character. So, if there's a demo, I'm gonna have to try this out whenever they're ready to uh, to release it. I'll be right there with you. And we'll see. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm not. I'm <laughs> weird to say. I'm too old for Fortnite, so I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. The next thing we have, uh, we have a couple more games to talk about. Um, there, There's a name out for the sequel to Fallen Order. Uh, they're going with Jedi Survivor. Do we have any uh, any any other cool stuff on this? Uh, Fallen Order 2. Yes, Jedi Survivor. Um, to be honest, there's not a lot out for it at the moment that I've seen. Um, just that it's the continuation of the storyline. Um, it, it's due 
sometime March 2023, apparently. Um, well, with San Diego Comic-Con having happened very recently, yep. um, or the s- likes of, I think it's Hasbro, have been out um, sporting figures of uh, Cal Kestis as he will appear in Jedi Survivor. Um, so he, he does have a bit of an updated look, bit of a beard, so that I'm guessing there's been some sort of passage of time that has passed. Um, still has its, his trusty droid. Uh, so okay. I'm still, so still happy. got BD-1. I'm yep. so happy to see BD-1 move through. <laughs> <laughs> I love that little guy. Um, but they did also show additional like security-like droids, which is unclear at the minute if they are explicitly still part of this Jedi Survivor story. Ah, uh, here we go. Yeah, there is... I just found a little bit. Star Wars Jedi Survivor is set to take place during the pivotal period of the Star Wars timeline, with events falling during the same time point as Andor and Obi-Wan. Hmm. So, yeah, it, it has moved on a little bit, but... Um, yeah. It's saying here that it's explicitly five years after Fallen Order. Yep. He's still being pursued by the Empire as one of the last remaining Jedi, and their plan is to expand on the series' dynamic combat in new and innovative ways with new skills whilst growing his connection with the Force. Yeah, I hope they don't take the controls backwards like they did with... Um, oh, not Force Awakens. What was the... Um, the... the game with um, Starkiller Force Unleashed Force Unleashed, yeah. that's the one yeah. I found that the controls on that went backwards from the first one to the second one they did. so when they, say, when they say updated controls I hope they've kept them sensible yeah, I distinctly remember like, the I played both of those let's see, I played the Wii version of Force Unleashed, um, yep. So there was that was the shortest of the three, and that that took me a couple days to beat. It took me some time. Mm-hmm. Um, Force Unleashed two, I beat in an afternoon. Um, so the controls the controls weren't <laughs> as intuitive for Unleashed two. No, I played, they, bo- I, I played both on the Wii. Yeah, so I yeah. think I think Force Unleashed two. I think that one I ended up playing on the PS3 because I was able to get a copy very 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 cheaply. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I soon realized why. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, what... it was a great premise for a character, great premise for a game, and it did lend itself well, especially the first one at least, Oh yeah. to that video game, putting the power in, in the player's hands. Yes. Oh, yeah. And the, yeah, the premise of just, like, you've been nice for so long, don't you ever just want to go crazy? <laughs> you know, just like... Always. Just yeah, just, just like yeah, just like you know, you just tear a star destroyer from orbit. Do it. Mm-hmm. Why not? <laughs> We've always asked why not. Now's the time. But yeah, unfortunately, the sequel there, like most sequels, it's fifty-fifty. Star Wars has been lucky in that most of the sequel games have been improvements or good extensions mm-hmm. of the original. Um, we'll yeah, see. Ba- take see it down, Battlefront line. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one to see. Um, what they have said that is they're going to remove support for PS4 and Xbox One. 
So it's going to be aimed specifically at uh, PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. Well, it's it's about time, you know. Mm-hmm. We're, we're getting the other systems are there. They've been out for a good long time, and they they really do want people to to move on to the next generation if you can find one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but if for, I for any, for any listener that hasn't played Fallen Order, I'd I'd really recommend going and picking it up. Having a playthrough, it can be found quite cheaply now. It, yeah, it was a, it was an outstanding win for a, EA, even given their reputation, because it was an out-and-out single-player-only success, with no costs to win. You couldn't yeah, pay no to pay win. No pay to win. No microtransactions. Nothing like that. Yep. Out-and-out. Out. You you paid once and you got a fully fleshed-out single-player game. Yep, it was captivating and riveting. Yeah, yes. yeah. It just just like so many games in the Star Wars canon before it, like it it brought it brought me back to like Dark Forces and Jedi Outcast and things like that. So that was yeah. I'm I'm of an nice. era where I remember them coming out originally, as 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 you will be. Um, <laughs> yeah, those 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 were great games. Absolutely fantastic games. Yeah, and usually if there's ever, especially if you wait for a Steam sale, uh, if you're playing on PC, um, it is always uh, looped just, in with a lot of the Lucas, bindle, Lucas bundles. Yeah, like the summer yeah. sale just ended. Um, it's always on sale. You can grab it pretty easily. Um, I admit that I didn't finish it, but I like where the story's going and the storytelling and the parts that I have done was really well done. So I hope they carry that through. Yeah, yeah. Fallen Order was uh, was a good game at the time I picked it up. It's like we're on to our last bit of news. Oh no! Um, <laughs> the last bit of news we have: um, Star Wars Outer Rim, uh, an expansion, is out for that. I gotta remember. Oh, I'm going to sit back and let Hikari take this one. Yeah, yeah. Jared, Jared, and I are both avid board gamers, and Star Wars Outer Rim is a fantastic two to four player Star Wars based board game where you can play as as different hero characters. Obviously, Boba is a personal favorite of mine. Um, there's in universe ships to collect. Uh, contracts to take and there's multiple different ways of playing the board game but given the limited character pool some of them don't work too well so for example if my wife and i play two player there's very little point me playing as boba because it is about taking down bounties and hunting other players yeah Um, and when there's only one other player there are more enjoyable ways to play different characters Um, you do have to let the wife win yes yeah yeah sometimes (laughs) <laughs> um, but they've recently released an expansion called Unfinished Business, uh, which I think near enough doubles the total card count in the game, introduces new mechanics and a few fixes for clunky behaviour. Um, so, for example, the, the, the board game is a big arc uh, that has different routes through space, different patrols, different planets. But it can there's a, it can feel bad as a mechanic if you're at one end of the galaxy and you've taken a contract 
at the complete opposite end because it might take you three or four turns just to get to where you need to go. So one of the ways they fixed this is now there's replacement end caps for the board uh, where you can effectively pass through space to move between the ends. So it, it almost makes it now like a circle map. Okay. Um, which, from a, from a playability point of view, makes it much more enjoyable again. And from friends that have got the expansion, that have played it, I'm hearing very good things. Um, I'm looking forward to picking it up and integrating it into our games. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed... I have only played uh, Outer Rim once. One of my friends is a also an enormous board game enthusiast, so if there's ever a copy of something I need to buy, he's got it. Um, and I enjoyed it. I played Boba, and we were playing like a four-player game, so that, that was much more, you know, multiple targets, multiple instances of, of possible victory that way. Um, and I like... I do like that it is a game where every player sort of has a win condition, you know? It's not everybody just racing towards the same goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't as complicated as a game like, say, Root, where every player is actually basically playing a different game just on the same board. <laughs> it's, it's an... Yeah, exactly. With, without a rim, you've, you've all got a points target that you're trying to hit, but you've all got your own way of doing it. And there are some fantastic items. Um, Oh, yeah. Especially if you you play as Lando and you manage to get his cape. It's it's just so on point. I was given given a copy of Outer Rim for my birthday, but it was during um, lockdown. So I've not actually been able to sit down and play it with anyone. So um, it would be be good if we, we, we get together around the table and have another game night again. Um, to have a look at that one, and I'll have to get the, the instructions out and read it properly. Oh yeah, oh, it's, it's definitely worth at least one one run through. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Lando's cape is is an item. <laughs> it's just the Lando's design, cape is always an item. The design is is fun. Like it's they they laid out a good. For the most part, well-playing game with only a couple clunky interactions. Um, but yeah, like they they made they made the the game one that is fun to at least flip through the cards and play. Like so, the the table experience is nice. Exactly, and I said I believe the the expansion sort of doubles the amount of playable characters, doubles the amount of cards, options, contracts. I think it even gives the option of a few new. Um, game modes so rather than just being the the most number of victory points i think it's victory points and an objective which can be different for each player as well so so it's a lot of replayability that they've introduced i believe that is about all we have for this month's edition of keldabi talk radio i hope that you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it um do tune in next month we'll have another episode full of more awesome star wars discussion uh news from the club and anything else that we can think about throwing around but uh, until then um please stay safe enjoy yourself and on behalf of myself hikari and tucker thanks for listening goodbye this has been a production of the mandalorian mercs costume club If you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed on today's show, please visit www.mandalorianmercs.com. The Mandalorian Mercs is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. 
Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright 2009 Lucasfilm Limited. We hope you enjoyed our show, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Please email podcast at mercs.firespray.net. Until next time, happy hunting.